Hello and welcome back to How to PhD episode number 14. This week we're tackling the daunting world of conferences and everything from key preparation to how to network and being master of time. Hello, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again. My name is Aaron and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Julia. Hello, hello. And this week it's all about conferences, right? What what to do when you're applying for them, how to search for them, how to actually do them. Um, Julia, how are your conference experiences uh, in your PhD? Yeah, so I went to two conferences, a national one and one international one. Um, the first one was in Birmingham, which is very close to the University of Warwick. So it wasn't as ex- exciting in, in terms of like traveling there. But I think it was a good start for me um, because it was quite local and it was really well organized. Um, and the second conference was um, very exciting. My first time going to China. Mm. So, um, yeah, you came along to um, Shanghai. And I think that was an amazing experience um, yeah. to have the opportunity to go there. So definitely felt I um, yeah, made the most of out of my PhD budget. That I had. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it was just before the COVID-19 pandemic as well. Yeah. So with, I was quite lucky that we could actually go to physical conferences yeah, back then. It's definitely different now. And in my PhD, I went to three conferences in Ireland, Florida and Paris. I tagged along um, two for those. You tagged <laughs> along two, that's right. Um, so really tried to make the most of it. But of course, you know, we recognize that, you know, COVID has definitely changed things for mm-hmm. PhD candidates and it's not as easy to go to conferences. Well, anymore. in a way it is. If, if they're online, it's you could true, say, yeah. but yeah, in terms of like, traveling somewhere i think a lot of people miss out on in, that experience yeah in terms of the traditional yeah, way of thinking yeah. of conferences and this kind of travel to you know, exotic places and mm. stuff is of course more difficult but the important thing with this episode is that these tips absolutely still apply to online conferences um but of course some of it w- is more tuned to in-person things and certainly our experiences from in-person conferences um but fingers crossed for a return to normal soon and i this, think it's start yeah some yeah. conferences that i saw already are saying that they will try to do it in person or some are even like hybrid ones now. that's right yeah i've seen that more yeah um but certainly today we're we're presenting five key tips and as i said this certainly applies to in person and a lot of this to online conferences as well so five key tips in this episode let's get cracking with number one which is where to search for conferences and especially what to look out for So point number one, where to search for them and specifically what to look out for. Now, searching is quite tricky, right, Julia? It's, there's no there's no search engine that we're aware of. But of course, you know, if any of the listeners know of some way of easily finding conferences in a kind of, a kind of conference Google, um, of course, there is Google as well. I guess you can use certain keywords of your field and, and try to find a conference that way. But generally, I haven't found something that aggregates everything in yeah, one place. It's, it's quite overwhelming, I think. Um, so I start when I when I start looking for a conference, I usually either search my field, my topic field, so the area of sexual health, or but it could also be public health. So I think you have to kind of think about who's the audience for mm. whatever you want to present? Is it more like the topic is very important or the general area? Um, so I don't know about like health service delivery. There are several ones, but yeah, I also haven't come across like 
kind of search engine for that. No, and I think really, uh, in my experience, the conferences that I went to were very much sort of word of mouth. They're kind of yeah. they're just known in the field that these are the these are the big big things to yes. go to. So asking colleagues about yeah. it, your supervisors might recommend um, you going to several conferences that they are also maybe going um but yeah i think a yeah, word of mouth is yeah that's well. that's a good point you know supervisors you know are also academics as well and and they will be going to conferences to keep up their contacts and stuff so you exactly. know if there's one that your supervisor is going to um that's very very important and it will link to a point that we make a little bit later on uh, but you can also check things like professional trade bodies uh, associations um the point is, as we said, there are main conferences that kind of everyone sort of knows. And so it's just important just to talk to people and get an idea of what's out there and what you could kind of mm. apply to. Um, but here's an interesting tip. And, and this was something that really helped me in mind was is to consider, <clears throat> does the conference publish their proceedings? Right. Um, and specifically think about what you need to submit. But but on this kind of publishing uh, aspect. Um, this is really super useful to know. So, with my my first publication was actually through a conference. It was it was a paper. It was a full paper that was accepted at the conference, and it gave me that first publication. And, and it did a couple of things. I mean, one of course, it, it's lower impact than a, than a journal. Of course, mm-hmm. it's sort of less well regarded. Although in certain fields, conferences are more regarded more highly regarded than journals i guess if it has to be like published or or no disseminated quite quickly is that true? exactly like if yeah. it's a fast changing that's right so area. things like um computer science yeah. kind of ai and stuff it's mm-hmm. happening so quickly that conferences are really highly regarded mm-hmm. in fact more than journals because they're just more up to date uh, so mm-hmm. you know keep keep that in mind as well think about your field um but the important thing is you know if they do publish it and it's peer-reviewed it it still counts as a publication and uh certainly for me it it took that pressure off needing to get that first publication you know we we were lucky in our phds in in that it was not a requirement to publish but still you kind of want to right it's Mm. it's kind of something that would kind of put your mind at ease i get i guess it's a little bit of a you have to weigh up is it if the findings do you think they have potential to go into journal then maybe you should publish them in a journal but if it's maybe also like side results from a study that could go in conference and i think honestly um often from one study you can get a journal and a conference publication or presentation out of it if you give the findings a little bit of a different spin or look through it through a different lens so i think you should not technically like um report the same findings right in a conference no, and a journal that's right. um because that's not good practice or good yeah use of time of researchers time but yeah you can um like give it a different kind of angle i guess um but yeah both of my conference that i went to were just abstract submissions and yeah unfortunately they were not published but i wasn't really aware of that at the Mm. point that that is a thing yeah so yeah and there's a few there's a few ways that this is normally expressed so conferences might say that they're an indexed conference right and and the proceedings are published and that's a good indication that it will be searchable on google scholar or or uh, science Direct, where, wherever you know th- that there will be accessible mm-hmm. and there will be indexed so keep an eye out for that and if it's not clear be sure to contact the conference organizers and, and, and find out um, and I think the final thing you know when you're searching for these kinds of conferences um, there may be some things like risk assessments right Julia now 
I didn't do any risk assessment with with my conferences before, uh, but you kind of pointed out that this was uh, quite an important aspect before you go on one. Yeah, and I I, th- I think most universities should have like kind of process for that. And by risk assessment, I mean um, like a documentation. So, for example, when I went to China, I needed just to fill out um, a risk assessment together with my supervisor, so that we had thought about like what kind of risks of going. Uh, traveling and I mean especially during COVID times probably that there should be more of a focus on that but um, yeah just to check that everybody knows where you are and who contact people uh, who you should contact I even I think I had to download an app that would tell me if there are any like earthquakes or I, mm. something happening um, to be alert and um, yeah it's just about like thinking about how to mitigate risks before yeah. you travel somewhere that's right yeah and i think the final point that we want to make is um and, and we mentioned this at the beginning of this section is is try and find someone to go with and if your supervisor's going um or if you have colleagues that are going in, in all of my cases i think except one conference no in fact at all of them i i knew someone from my mm. department who, who was going to be there um that makes and in, such a it difference. makes a huge difference and in one case yeah. we all traveled together to to florida yeah and i think it's massive yeah i would have been really so though in the one in birmingham i didn't know a few colleagues there so that was fine but in china i i really did not know anyone i mean my supervisor was there but of course he doesn't have time to like or he didn't have time to look after me um he was super busy had so many different presentations there and um was far too involved so we didn't really get much time there and i think yeah just having someone there um makes such a such a difference yeah really really big difference because it can be a bit daunting if you see everybody in their groups research groups and then you're standing there alone it's quite difficult to um be have the courage to approach other people yes but we are going to talk about some tips on how Mm -hmm. to approach people a little bit later on in the episode but i think that wraps up Point number one. So point number two is all about preparation. So point number two, let's talk preparation and preparation is key. So you, let's imagine you've arrived at your conference, you're in your hotel room, wherever, um, and you're in the day before the conference. And this is a great chance to sort of go through some of these things and, and to get an idea of what is going to be happening in the conference. Uh, and I think the, the key tip that we want to sort of to, to describe for you is kind of break down what you'll, what you'll likely see. So number one, there'll probably be a session called the keynote or plenary session. Um, now this is usually the sort of big opening talk. It kind of sets the scene for the rest of the conference. There'll be one keynote speaker who talks for 50 minutes to an hour about some big topic around the general area. Now, me personally, I didn't find these so useful, but it's quite exciting. It's definitely 100% go to them. Um, But in terms of kind of knowledge and and learning something, it's not so useful. Setting the scene, like seeing who the key people are there. Everybody goes there. Everyone goes there. It's kind of like the opening ceremony Mm. of the Olympics or something, right? (laughs) It's kind of this big flashy thing where it's just to kind of kickstart the whole thing, right? Mm. But it's useful, 100% go to it, uh, but that's usually the keynote session. Then you've got, I think, what most people think of when they think of conferences, which are the oral sessions. So these are the standard presentations, right? Usually 10 to 15 minutes um, on, on a topic and they and people present their papers. Uh, it's very useful that I found. Um, and and the, the, 
the key tip here is you'll almost definitely get a conference list or proceedings where you'll see every talk and what time it is. 100% you'll get one of those. So tick the ones that you want to go to and, and really make a timetable. And, and the key thing is, and, and I think this is something I really didn't do enough of when I was first going to conferences, is to, to do some research on the paper you think, on papers you think are interesting beforehand. Uh, and, and particularly if it's a speaker that you recognize or a particular person, um, and, and use this prep to ask questions during the talk. So mm -hmm. this does a couple of things. Um, one, it kind of gives you that confidence to, to ask questions because you've had time to think about the work and, and you can really ask questions. Um, and really you can do that even as a, an undergraduate or a PhD candidate and don't feel put off by the fact that there might be professors and, and kind of big shot people there. Um, often I found it's PhD candidates who, who ask the best questions, mm -hmm. right? Because they're, they're a little bit, they think mm -hmm. in a different way. So 100% do that prep beforehand uh, and, and ask those questions. But the, the second point is that for you personally, it helps you weed out what talks might actually not be a great use of your time. Um, so this happened to me a few times. I look at the title, I think, wow, that sounds great. And then I go there and it's not really what I was really mm -hmm. expecting. Uh, and if I just read the paper, I could have avoided that and, and used the time elsewhere. So, you know, don't just go on the title, really spend a bit of time looking at uh, what it's actually about. Um, and, and, and I guess yeah, and yeah. it's usually fine as well to if they are like three oral presentations and one session, it's usually fine to go in and out, right? Just for the ones that you are interested yeah. in. You don't have to sit through the other ones. Um, it's, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely completely normal. Yeah. Um, so those are the oral sessions. And then you've got uh, poster sessions, right? So these are mm. literally posters hanging up on a, on a wall in a big conference hall or in a room um now i always found these a little bit awkward um it might just be the type of conference that i went to but i i, I typically found that the authors were never at the poster of the ones that i was interested in um so again i'm not sure how useful it is i guess mm. this is one thing where your experience may vary uh, yeah. different conferences might have different vibes when it comes to posters yeah and and birmingham and the at the conference where i went to they had the posters on like huge um digital displays and you could scroll oh. through them oh wow um which was good in the way that, so nobody had to stand in front of their poster you could just like look through them but yeah then in terms of getting in touch with the author that was not really a thing or not really possible no. um maybe also worth mentioning that often there are poster prizes and oral presentation prizes mm. um if you if yeah, I think you don't have to sign up for those, but yeah, just to be aware. No. That might be a nice way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. again, as with the oral sessions, prep beforehand, have a look at what the titles are and, and do a bit of research before mm -hmm. going into one of those things and really try and optimize your time. Um, fourth, there are things called panel sessions. Now, these are kind of debate style sessions between multiple researchers. I found these were awesome. Right, I learned so much from this. I think uh, the, the sort of the free format of a panel presentation, um, I think it makes for really interesting stuff. And I think, um, you know, not to sound too harsh, but I think people who might not be sort of natural presenters in a kind of PowerPoint situation, when it comes to sitting around a table and, and discussing it, they, they, they come across much, much better. So you can, I, I usually found that 
I learned a lot more. I was more engaged with a panel discussion mm -hmm. than typically one person you know, standing and doing a PowerPoint. Um, but I thought those were really useful. Um, and then a final point and, and something to look out for in is workshops. And these are kind of tutorial sessions. They might be one or two hours long. Um, usually I found that in my experience that this was an extra cost on top of the conference fee. This was something you had to pay extra for. Uh, but but pay attention and, and, and look out for if that's being mm -hmm. offered. Sometimes they're offered, or usually these kinds of things are offered the day before the conference begins. So you might need to factor that into your travel and, and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but you can learn a lot. And I think you can also meet people a little bit easier this way mm -hmm. because you're sort of bonding around a common topic. Normally they give you um, like tasks to do a bit like school, right? Yeah. And, and you have to work on something. Uh, but they can be quite expensive, these workshops. So, so do consider that. I think there's one last point actually that we haven't mentioned yet, which is the um, conference dinner oh yeah um, of course yeah so but actually i didn't in birmingham i didn't go to it because i was a bit like i didn't know many people there and i thought oh it's a bit bit awkward maybe um but um then i went to the one in china and that was good i mean we were just sitting on our like tables of eight and so i tried it because i was sitting with other people then you could make a little bit of conversation and that was nice and they even had like some nice um songs so um they're traditional like Chinese uh, songs there being so it was really nice but yeah I don't know how, about how you felt about yeah. the conference most people I think yeah it's or the what they always say the cliches that a lot of researchers get really drunk there and then the next morning it's empty <laughs> which in Birmingham was true I noted that the morning after the dinner there was barely anyone there oh, it was, wow. it was yeah. the students who were there but the researchers were not that's there. the irony isn't it? the students are actually there to like properly engage with the conference but but yeah it's um yeah, it's, it's definitely worth going to that. And it can be very daunting if you're doing that by yourself. But um, if, you're, if you're with people, then it can be a really good mm. It's a learning nice experience, I guess, like in this conference to, yeah, um, just take the courage and just like set a target. I'm going to contact three people today. And usually it turns out fine, right? If when you start talking to someone, I mean, it would be very rude if they're completely ignore you or don't talk back so yeah it's a good good um, way to start networking and that that leads very nicely on to mm, the next yeah. part of this episode which is all about getting that elevator pitch sorted so the elevator pitch now this is this is business jargon for essentially a short 30 second thing that you can sort of memorize that you can tell people when you when you introduce yourself and will summarize your research and, and basically kickstart a conversation and, and introduce them to you uh julia how, how have your experiences been with kind of this kind of elevator pitch world yeah i found it very hard at the beginning and it has developed a lot i think since then i do remember when we first went it was not a conference but it was this kind of alumni event mm. um and i wasn't sure like what would i say if people asked me what i'm doing i was at the very beginning of my phd as well so i was just saying yeah i'm a phd student and i'm doing sexual health research and then i felt the topic was kind of over because we people were just like mm -hmm, but not really i felt like nobody wanted to talk about like sexual health because 
maybe it's more sensitive topic i don't know and then when you were saying oh you're doing like self-driving cars everybody was asking you about that so i think we i then try to like rethink and you helped me with that like to rethink how to say to other people and by just like rewording it so saying something like um, my research is looking at how we can take pressure from the nhs by delivering more services through pharmacies then suddenly i think because a lot of people have a lot of passion for the nhs um, especially in england of course um then yeah suddenly i got a conversation going so i think it's really important how you pitch it and you can see how people react to what you're saying and yeah kind of see what this gets is your engagement. And yeah this really um this really connects back to our how to present episode because it's a lot of the same kinds of things where you really have to find a way to to break down what you're doing into something in, into that kind of question of so what right what's mm. the what's the overall impact of your work in in terms of of the world in terms of what people really relate to and i, I truly believe that everything that people work on will have a real world and you will, can say it have in a an larger interesting impact. way <laughs> yeah exactly um and so the goal is you know spend some time thinking about that think about what you're doing and why right and and specifically you know in relation to conferences why you're at the conference so this it can be very very hard especially also if you're not exactly sure what your research topic is at the moment right you might go to a conference really early on in your phd and not be sure and certainly for me i found this really difficult because I went to conferences really early on and, and I still wasn't sure what my specific topic was. Um, but the key thing is just just be honest. So have a sentence prepared. So something like, you know, hi, my name is Aaron. I'm a first year PhD candidate and my research is in, in the area of automated vehicles. Uh, you know, I think there are big gaps in the design side of things, but I'm, I'm still working on trying to identify my specific topic. Uh, so this conference seemed like the perfect opportunity to explore my area and get some ideas from, from people like yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's just a really... Keep it short as keep well. Keep it like short, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep it short. If you're not sure, mm. be honest. If you know your specific topic, then certainly, you know, mention that. It opens the conversation. It lets them know what your motivations are. Um, or, you you know, if you know your topic, you can even mention a, a talk that you're going to next in the conference. Oh, I'm, I'm going to this uh, talk next because I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, and the key thing is, you know, practice speaking this sentence. You know, there's absolutely no shame in having something rehearsed uh, that can be your go-to sentence in these kinds of situations mm. um, and I think that's that's really really helpful uh, and certainly for me I spent just before the main conference day I spent maybe just five ten minutes just thinking of this sentence all right what's the what's the wider impact of my work and I just had that rehearsed and ready to go and it mm. came came in useful so many times yeah it might also be a good idea to have like business cards with you right yes. and i think sometimes i think at our university um you are provided with business cards for free if you want to that's right yeah um, or you can design your own ones of course yeah um, I, th I think this is i think a lot of people might think this is sort of overkill and it's mm. just it's just way way too much but you'd be really surprised how effective they can be you know to give that kind of physical thing to someone um but the key thing with business cards is that try and try and only give them out following a, a good conversation be be a bit more selective about who you give it to um who, someone you think could actually make an impact i mean you could you could be like giving them out like like candy <laughs> that might be a bit weird yeah <laughs> you know but it's 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 yeah. you're not going to get a great response that way um but it's better than um if you have a good conversation then you exchange details and then they might get lost somewhere if they're just scribbled on some note or something so yeah definitely then having your card ready 
it's just a very effective way, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and be sure to proactively send the email that you've uh, send an email to the person that you've swapped cards with, um, saying something like, you know, great to meet you and to hear about your work on this, this, this. Um, you know, yeah. reference just to keep them in the memory. Yeah, yeah bring bring something yeah. from from your conversation to show that you're listening, to show that you're interested, um, and just remind them who you are. You know, I'm still identifying my area, so I'd love to keep in touch and discuss some ideas in the future. Hope to meet you mm. again soon, Aaron. You know, something like that. It just reaffirms. They might get that email and think, oh, yeah, and then dig out your card and then suddenly it's mm. in their top drawer or something like that. Um, so I took a big stack of business cards <laughs> to my conference um, and it came in really handy uh, mm. a, a number of times. And it just gives you that kind of professional edge, especially if you're looking for like a potential supervisor or someone who you want to work with in the future. It's a really good yeah. thing to do. I actually got a contact and from Shanghai, um, like a, a professor who's working in, in Shanghai, but also in Australia. And yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> how useful it's going to be. But um, so he said, like, if you're interested in a job later, like, let me know. But um, um, I know I have a contact there now and I emailed him afterwards about it. And so I could always like just kind of get it, get back in touch, I guess. So it's yeah. good opportunity. That's exactly it. So coming towards the end of the episode, we've got two final tips to cover in this show. Um, and this next one is about being a master of time. So point number four, being a master of time. So the big tip here is don't try and go to every single talk in every single slot possible. It's it These kinds of conferences are incredibly draining um it's it's a lot of effort to listen and and to be absorbing all this information so it's really not feasible to go to every single talk possible so as we said right at the beginning of the show you know, be selective about the ones that you're going to definitely plan in time for breaks and for lunch this is really really important um in fact for me i found that nearly all of the interesting people that i met at the conference were, were not in the sessions were actually in the break times right it was at the lunch it was around the salad bar or, or wherever um and and so the key thing is if you're really picky and selective about the talks that you go to and the sessions that you go to you do end up freeing yourself time and of course energy to be able to network at people network mm -hmm. with people and, and chat to people at these kind of slightly more informal times in the conference day so and and really basic things like know when and where the refreshments are um stay hydrated um these are really basic things but these are things i just didn't do on my first conference and actually i missed the first lunch of one of my conferences uh, i think it was the irish one i i missed it which was like really gutting i was really disappointed in that um so be a master of time give yourself a break you don't have to burn yourself out in a conference just see it as a chance to learn uh, and use those uh, be picky about the the sessions that you go to final tip now tip number five is to get on social media so point number five the final tip of our conference episode is to get on social media now julia this is it's quite a useful thing to do right yeah i think it's a good way to um like advertise and present yourself before the conference started or um yeah to yeah raise awareness for your 
for example, poster or presentation saying, oh, I'm looking forward to giving my talk today at one o'clock in this room. It will be about this topic and maybe share a slide to make people curious about your research. And yeah, use the hashtag that the conference is using um, and follow that Twitter page. And uh, yeah, it can be a good way, especially I think if you're alone somewhere and you feel like, um, yeah, a bit hesitant about pr approaching people. Maybe if you first try to get in touch on Twitter, you can also leave comments on other people's posts or something. Oh, this looks really interesting. I'm going to pop by later. Then you automatically have a contact already, which I think is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've summarized that entire point really well there actually um i think that's the i think that's everything we wanted to talk about really um so use social media it's incredibly powerful for me personally i um i did that exact thing of promoting my presentation beforehand and i found mm. that actually people a couple of people came up to my session because they saw it on twitter yeah, yeah. um and it's just a good thing it just it might make your name known in the conference as well and the conference organizers love it if you're using their hashtag yeah and also it's a people positive thing. who are not present at the conference if they can follow your research and see that they that you're active you are you're going to different conferences that might also look just good on your research profile generally yeah. so people at your university at home and i don't know recruiters or whoever can can see what you're up to yeah that's exactly it so that brings us to the end of this episode. So to summarize, number one, all sorts of little tricks that you can do to search for conferences and specifically look out for those ones that publish their proceedings. It's a really good way to get started on your publication career. Preparation is key. So spend those couple of hours before the main day knowing the difference between what's the keynote, what's the poster session, what's the oral sessions, and be really selective about the ones that you go to. Get an elevator pitch sorted on that day before as well kind of 30 seconds max about what you are, what you're doing, and think about your audience, right? Think about the larger impact of your work. Be a master of time. You don't need to go to every single session possible. Plan in those breaks, and those breaks can actually be incredibly useful. And wrap the whole thing up with a good social media presence. Use those hashtags and engage with people on Twitter as well. So here we are again. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of How to PhD. As always, if you know of someone who you think could benefit, please do share this with them. And if you listen, uh, enjoy listening to How to <laughs> PhD and you would like to support us, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or uh, if you're if you're feeling inclined, you can visit our website at howtophd.show and leave a small donation through Buy Me a Coffee. Um, and thank you to everyone who's done so uh, we're always so grateful and, and so surprised when people do support us in that way and it's it's incredibly incredibly kind um do get in touch with us over email contact at howtophd.show again love the emails we receive every week it's so nice to see that um, and of course twitter and instagram at howtophdshow again huge thank you to everyone who messages messages us on there it's really great to see that kind of uh, connection with our audience Next week, Julia, is um, about how to read a paper. Exactly. So I think um, that's from one of our listeners or some listeners um, have said they don't know really how or what to look at when they um, are reading papers. So hopefully we can give you a little bit of um, advice on how to 
yeah, be quite time effective and get the information out of the paper yeah. that you need. To be honest, I think this is one skill that I think I still need to develop a bit. So, and this is certainly something I wish I knew at the start of my PhD. Yeah, uh, the how first to weeks read. were really difficult, I think. Like, yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can help with that. It's going to be a good one. So, thank you again for listening to How to PhD, and we will see you all next week.